The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Yeah, you're listening to another episode of Get Paid, your one-stop shop for all things fantasy, gambling, and daily fantasy. We are proud partners of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. You can also find us on Podcast One. You're listening to Sean, Ryan, and Brad. Brad, what's going on, my man? Good evening, brother. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, so, you know, we've, we've been talking about Antonio Brown. I think we'll continue to talk about Antonio Brown. But what did you yeah. think of the trade? Uh, well, I think that Oakland uh, didn't do themselves any favors. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we've seen this formula before, right? You you give the franchise to a diva wide receiver. That's that's never worked out in, in history. I mean, am I wrong? No, I don't think so. I, I was going on uh, BavadaSportsBook.com um, just to see kind of like, you know, if there was any news, if the odds changed and all that. And I think it's a little bit too early to see how that's going to shake out. Uh, but I'm with you, man. Like, I saw some articles uh, going around that said, oh, you know, the, the Raiders fleeced the Steelers. And I saw, and I, I was like, okay, well, what? And I popped open the article, and I saw, um, I guess I didn't reconfirm that this was the compensation, but what I saw was a, a third and a fifth for Antonio yeah. Brown. And I thought, you know, honestly, like the Steelers getting a third and a fifth, they get two, yeah, it's not a first-round pick, it's not a second-round pick, but they get two picks, and the Steelers draft well. Like they're they're gonna get one starter out of those two picks, um, yeah. The, the the cap space it's gonna hurt um, Pittsburgh this year, but you know they're gonna get it off the books. They're financially usually they're f- pretty financially um, you know secure because they make good decisions in that regard. So you know if if you're Pittsburgh, I, I kind of think it's look. I'm not gonna say it's addition by subtraction like Antonio or uh, not Antonio, but um, uh, Bryant was in. Um, Des Bryant was in Dallas. Like I thought that yeah. was a. Di- I thought as soon as he was gone, that team was better. Um, yes, I don't I think agree. that. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's the case here. But you know, I wonder like what the hell is Oakland doing? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, mean, I can't figure it out. Like they traded Amari Cooper because he wasn't on like the Gruden program or whatever. They traded him for a first round pick, and uh, and then they replaced him with like an older version of him who's a little bit smaller. You know, I think we were talking, Brad, like maybe a week or two weeks ago. Like, Derek Carr doesn't throw the ball downfield. That's Antonio Brown's like thing. You know, right? I don't see this working for either one of these. You know, the player or the team. I think Pittsburgh actually gets the best best part of this deal. I think. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work out well for Oakland. I mean, you see these videos this guy makes. Is is he like a walking fourteen year old? Right. I mean, it's all so self-indulgent and ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want that guy anywhere near for the money. For that money, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't want that guy. That's the thing. So I got a couple of texts too about you know, specifically about the money and like you know saying oh you know this kind of this guy he he goes crazy. He's a diva. He you know he demands a trade. And he gets what he wants. He gets his fifty million dollars. You know with all the guaranteed money. But the the I, on the functional sports of hawk last week and I think Sam and I will delve into this in another episode or this week's episode coming up, as I said, look, you know, Antonio Brown was, um, it wasn't guaranteed money. His salary for the three seasons coming up totaled around 36 mil and change, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was 30. I can't quite remember. It was in those high 30s. Um, now, it wasn't guaranteed, but it's Pittsburgh. Like, Pittsburgh takes care of their players. And I said, the point I made last week was, if he just shut his mouth and showed up to work, he'd get all that $38 million for yeah. 36. And well, Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, so he signed that contract with Oakland, and he has $30 million of guarantees, but it's Oakland. I don't think he's going to make the end of that contract. 
Yeah, and I don't think he's going to win that many games. Let's see how happy he is. Let's see how happy and, and how much he talks after that first game where he only gets six targets and catches two of them. Then we'll see how how it goes down. I know, know, right? I, where he's streaking wide open down the uh, down the sideline, and uh, Derek Carr checks down to a running back or something. You know? Yeah, right. I mean, maybe the guy's not too concerned with winning. Although I, I can't imagine that's true because when they don't play well, he huffs and puffs. You know, he really gets after it and into it. I just think that I think he is like like so many other players today in so many other sports. I think that he just has an inflated sense of self worth. I think that he thinks that he makes that offense go like. Or yeah. I think he thinks he's like oh he's such a great wide receiver that he'll you know he'll just he'll he'll get those deep targets wherever he goes and that's not the case. And actually the the new there was a rumor that he was going to go to Buffalo like on Friday last week. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, you know, that, that would be a karma move, but Buffalo. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he wanted to go to Buffalo. I think that's what happened. Yeah, I think but, he basically uh, said he wouldn't extend, and so Buffalo was out on him. So so let, let me just say this. I don't ever remember Antonio Brown being a problem in the first eight years of his career, but yeah. then all of a sudden in the past two, he's turned into a different dude. So maybe the organization itself is just that, dysfunctional maybe ben is the problem i mean it's he could possible be. he could be but but ben's not the one making all the instagram videos and looking like an idiot with a with a bleached mustache the past couple weeks you know <laughs> that was the grossest thing i've ever seen on the with the with the new age coolio do mind you oh he's bringing God. that back that from was, the early 90s that was Gangster's bizarre Paradise, yeah yeah and then he goes on lebron james's talk show whatever that pilot oh has. yeah i saw that Starts talking shit about everybody yeah it's not looking good man it isn't, and and I, I he, my prediction is that he's gonna he's gonna recu- or he's gonna get that thirty million guarantee, you know, uh, but he's gonna make less money than he would had um, had he just stayed in Pittsburgh. So I think yeah, Oakland's gonna victories. cut ties with him soon. With far less victory and less catches, less touchdown catches. This is this is a legacy killer. He's he has no shot, no shot at um at catching like Jerry Rice in any of those statistical categories. And he had a shot if he just stayed. Yeah. But you know, let's let's um, be fair to him as well. Like you said, I mean, Roethlisberger could be the issue there. Look, man, he I mean, he's pretty been pretty famously a turd his whole career, right? True. Um, True. Roethlisberger. You know, it's it's not hard to imagine him being a divisive person. Um. He couldn't get along with Haley, but nobody gets along with Haley. You know, yeah, it, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, I can't remember. Maybe outside of like Romo and Jeff Garcia, along with Terrell Owens, I can't remember a, a, such a productive quarterback wide receiver duo with this much drama around it. Um, you know, and and I, I just want to say this about Oakland: they they didn't want to pay Khalil Mack, right? Mm. That that type of guy, middle linebacker, solid changes the scope of the entire team, the defense, leadership, never talks, just plays his ass off, and they don't give him any money, okay? But then they give a bunch of money to a wide receiver. It's like living in a duplex and having a million-dollar chandelier. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, <laughs> it, it looks, it's weird. It's like backwards. It it's is, really man. It's really ridiculous. Uh, you know, it just does not seem like they have much of a plan there. Um but uh, we knew that. We've been saying that all year. And I'm praying. I've already tweeted this out um, you know, to, to HBO and to NFL Films. But I'm praying that Oakland is the team on hard knocks this year. Um, mm-hmm. They're one of the teams that cannot say no uh, this year. Really? Yep. They're not allowed to say no. Um, well, what's the criteria for that? Yeah. it's um, If you have a new head coach, you don't have to do it. 
Okay. Um, if you've made the playoffs in the last two years, you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Or if you've been on hard knocks sometime in the last like eight years or something like that, you don't have to do it. And so um, none of those scenarios applies to the Raiders. So actually, I should double check to make sure they haven't done a previous uh, previous episode or a season of it. But I don't remember the Raiders being on. I don't remember them doing it either. Yeah. So I mean, it, so basically, there's there's a list of like. Uh, there's a handful of teams. There's like a list of like maybe six teams mm-hmm. that cannot say no um, if if basically if they're selected. One of them's the Redskins. Um, mm. One of them's Oakland's. Uh, I think one of them's Buffalo. Uh, but basically, you can think of teams that haven't made the playoffs in the last two years and that, and that haven't fired their head coaches recently. I think there's like four uh-huh. or five. Yeah, of those probably. Teams. But those are them. Um, so uh, yeah, man, that would be interesting. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Oh man, that would be so good because the Cleveland Browns was just a, a dumpster fire from beginning to yeah. end, and then yeah. it carried into the season. It was just like great. Oh man, this would <laughs> yeah. be just a home run if that show. Oh, man, that was a great. It was the best season of Hard Knocks, and uh, and the Raiders could could be better than that this year, yeah, especially with the owner with the bowl cut. Oh God, that is the worst. What kind of haircut is that? I don't know. It's man. unbelievable. How could that even exist? You'd give me the popcorn bowl. Give me the popcorn bowl. Just put it on and spin me around in a chair. It's a dumb and dumber. Yeah, it's worse than the Dumb and Dumber. Lloyd Christmas, please. Lloyd Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So today we're uh, we're really going to be diving into the 2018 season of the AFC South. Um, yeah, I know it's it's that it's such a weird division because it's always super competitive, and I could, just can never get into it. So if you're a fan listening to the show, I really do apologize. Because there are interesting teams there. And in fact, Brad, um, you and me, before the NFL season, we picked Indianapolis to be kind of like the upstart team that could make some waves in the playoffs. And we saw them make a run at the end of the season. But let's start with Houston, uh, the perennial kind of, uh, I don't know, hyped but underachieving. You can't really call them underachievers because you never really think that they're going to do that well. But at the same time, you always think that they're going to make a little bit more of a push in the playoffs than they do. They were 11-5 and last year, which is really nice. Um, I thought Deshaun Watson, you know, coming off his ACL surgery, he was a little tight to begin the year, which I think you can understand. He's a, first of all, he'd only played like a handful of games uh, the year before. Then he got injured. So he, this is his first full season as a starter. So you figured there'd be some growing pains. But he played all 16 games. I'm looking at his completion percentage, 68.3%, over 4,000 yards, passing, 26 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. It's pretty good from a second-year wide receiver, especially somebody who can kind of like use his legs to uh, to get out and extend plays when needed as well. But, but what do you think of him? Well, you know what? Beyond the numbers portion of it, uh, I like the guy because I believe he has a certain type of dramatic flair to him, right? He's got a little bit. He's got a little bit of magic in him, much like the other guy from uh, Kansas City, Mahomes. Mm-hmm. It, it, he's got a lot of potential. He seems to be very bright, and he, he he can pick up the game, play from the fly, and he just has kind of a winner's charisma to him, and, and that's just what I read when I watch him. I'm with you, man. That winner's charisma, that leadership, um, it's important. And actually, I was really high on him in my fantasy uh, football almanac coming into the season. Probably too high on him, to be honest with you. Um, but I didn't anticipate him coming out and being so rusty to start the year. He actually did well at the end of the year. And one of the things I mentioned in the almanac, which is kind of tricky if you really dig into the stats in this team, is seeing how different this team performs with um, with Will Fuller playing wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that Will Fuller is, is the best wide receiver on the team. Don't get me wrong, because it's definitely um, it's definitely DeAndre Hopkins. There's no question about that. But, yeah, he's great. Yeah, but um, you know, Hopkins carries so much attention, 
and Will Fuller has been so basically so fast he can run around defenses. Like it was something like uh, what was the stat? It was like I, I think in their in their five games together. Fuller had like seven touchdowns or something last year in 2017. And so I said, man, like if, if both of these players are healthy, they could have like a, a pretty magical run. But unfortunately, the two of them could never really get on the same page together. They had like one or two games where they were both healthy at the same time. And Fuller got like two like two touchdowns in those games too. So um, they're pretty good. But, you know, Fuller got out. It, they, they seem to be snake-bitten um, injury-wise. Lamar Miller, you know, he never excites you as a running back, right? Right, right. Yeah, and um, you know he's he's running like I'm looking at his stats now. Four point six yards per attempt. Like you look at that and you're thinking, holy crap! Why don't you just give him the ball more? And I don't know why Lamar Miller's been kind of that running back, even back to his days in Miami. He always averages like a lot of yards per attempt, but he never really gets a lot of attempts. I don't know if it's like he can't get the tough yards. Maybe he just gets like you know chunk yardage. Like he he'll get like yeah. two yards to carry in in crucial situations and not be able to get over the goal line, and then maybe he'll bust one for fifty yards or something. But you know, it, he just never seems like a difference maker. They're always seemingly trying to replace him, but he doesn't really get there. But, you know, I don't know, man. Like, the defense is pretty rowdy. Um, Watt returned to form. Let me see how many sacks that dude got last season. Let me pull that guy up. Um, but, you know, what do you, what do you think about A.J. Watt um, coming back? I know some people were doubting whether he could, but he, uh, yeah, here it is, 16 sacks. That's pretty nice. Yeah, it's not bad at all, is it? Yeah, and then you had uh, Jadavion Clowney, who I think is a, is a free agent this season, actually. With nine, I mean, the defense is good, but... You know, defense just, is good. But are you ever scared of them, though? Uh, not really. You know, you never really expect them to go beyond the first round, and even if they do, that's kind of it. Uh, they haven't made their way up to the class of the AFC, you know, especially last season. There were many, many teams, uh, Patriots, Chargers, Chiefs, that you, you did put ahead of them. And uh, I don't know, maybe that changes this year. The quarterback has another year of experience under his belt. It could be a different ballgame. Yeah, it could be. You know, I'm, I was looking at Bavada. I can't remember what the odds were um, last year. But um, if I had to guess, I think uh, Jacksonville and Houston are probably going to be the odds-on favorites. And then uh, I guess we can move it to um, to Jacksonville now. It just didn't really pan out for them very well. And I remember, <laughs> Brad, <laughs> Brad, it was one of our funnier episodes, I think. In our AFC North, um, I'm sorry, AFC South preview, um, the the you know kind of the in depth um, gambling and, and fantasy perspective that we give before the season, which we'll be doing the same thing in 2019. Um, you know, I said, look, you know, Jacksonville looks good. Um, their defense looked like they could take a next step forward and be like one of those generational type defenses. Right. Um, but you know, you said, look, man, Bortles, how could you bring him back? And I said, well, you know, he is. He did have a better statistical season last year than he did before. You know, I can understand why they didn't bring him back rather than pay Kirk Cousins like $80 million like uh, like Minnesota did. But I got to say, maybe they should have paid Kirk Cousins. And we talked about this last week with the AFC or the NFC North. You know, neither one of us are believers in that. Maybe Jacksonville should have paid him that money, though. Well, this, that's a very good point. I mean, you know, we always dump on Cousins and his contract. But maybe if there was one team that that would have been worth it for, it would have been them. It would have been the Jaguars. I mean, with with that with that defense that they had to bring in a guy like Cousins who'd be more than good enough. That that would have worked out well. Yeah, and, and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I don't. In hindsight, being twenty twenty, right? Um, I didn't think Keenum. I didn't think Cousins was like a was worth an extra. What was it, fifteen mil a season or whatever it ended up being at the end, maybe ten to ten to fifteen somewhere in there. I didn't think that 
that price was worth the production that you got out of Cousins. Um, and that's what we talked about last week. But, mm-hmm. you know, Bortles, man, I don't, I don't know. And you know what? Let me just say this. Bortles aside, I think, I don't understand why um, Marone is still a head coach in the football, in this football league. Like, you can't mm. find one better guy out there. And it, there's only 32 head coaches in the league. And most of them suck, by the way. Um, yeah. There's only like 10 that matter. Um, but like Marone, how, how does this guy still have a job? I don't. Get yeah, it. I don't know. I mean, after they they go to the AFC Championship, and then uh, to have such a disgusting year to follow that up, that's a shame. That, I mean, that to me that shows that you can't keep your guys interested and you can't keep them motivated. Yeah, I'm looking at Bortles. So he's uh, three and nine as a starter last year, sixty percent. 13 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yo, you, you go 3-9 and nine with with uh, that defense on, on the other side of the ball, you're, you're sad. Yeah. You're bad. I will say this. Um, you know, Jacksonville, they need Leonard Fournette um, really to make that offense go. And Fournette only played in eight games. And I was railing on Jacksonville um, during training camp and, and preseason games last year. They were playing Fournette into the third quarter, and they were giving him tough, like, up-the-middle third-and-one try to get a first down type carries like yeah. in the preseason. I'm like, guys, yeah. what are you doing? You're wearing this dude thin. Like for what purpose? For what purpose? And, um, and wouldn't you know it, like a, a couple games in the season, he ends up like pulling up with a hammy or something like that. He ends mm-hmm. up missing a lot of games. Eight games he played, 3.3 yards per carry, Brad. Ouch. Oof. Oof. Ouch. Yeah, that's terrible. Ouch. And, I think we uh, could average 3.3 yards a carry. Uh, no, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. Oh, maybe 3.2. <laughs> <laughs> Take a tenth off of there. Yeah, with with Fournette not going well, they couldn't get the running game going. And, you know, frankly, the offense couldn't stay on the field. And so the defense, who I think is still a good defense, I don't think you just go from great to crap overnight. You sure. know, when you're when you're playing like 20, 25 minutes a game and then you're playing, you know, one season and you're playing like 45 minutes a game the next season because your offense can't stay on the field. It's going to have its impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, five and 11 finish. Um, I don't like the coaching staff. Uh, we'll see what happens in free agency. It's just, the league years are just about to open up. So we'll see if uh, if Jacksonville can make a move. If I'm Jacksonville, dude, I am trying to go after a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, somebody who's low and can play on a prove it contract and just like. Move the, you know, just make plays, complete passes, yeah. move the ball. Just just a guy where the game isn't too big for him. That's the one thing. You know what? Going back to last year, um, we were talking about, like, Keenum, do you pay Cousins or not? Yeah, Bridgewater was out there, and he ended up, in, I think, with the Jets on a free agent contract, and then the Jets drafted Darnold, and I think he ended up he ended up on maybe the Saints by the end of the year. How did, the, how did Jacksonville whiff on that? He, they should have absolutely brought yeah. Bridgewater in. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely agree. Oh, my gosh. Maybe he doesn't show up 10 minutes early like Tom Coughlin likes. He's running the show oh, there. Oh, God. What a dick. Yeah, I know. Um, one of the uh, one of the sweethearts, though, the Bavada sweethearts last year, Indianapolis, Brad, I will say proudly, you and I both kind of hit the nail on the head there with Indianapolis kind of coming back. Luck was – I don't want to say luck was bad. He was rusty, right, to begin mm-hmm. the year. Um, but another, another thing, kind of similar to Jacksonville in a way – and I noticed this in preseason is that the only running back who could um, get yards on the ground was Marlon Mack. And mm-hmm. I saw it in preseason, and then he got injured like kind of early into the year. He was playing a game, and then he wouldn't. But I noticed that the team when Mack was in, on the field was a much different team than when Luck was just you know left to his own devices. I think they had, the, they had one of your favorite, Brad. They had a pass catching running back. What was that guy's name? Uh, Naheem Hines. 
Uh, yeah, he was primarily like pass catching running back. They had another guy, Jordan Wilkins, um, who was uh, running the ball. But when Marlon Mack came back, and he only played in 12 games, and I think in 10 starts, and I think in those 10 starts, they probably won like eight or nine of them. Um, mm-hmm. He was that impactful for whatever reason for that offense. And I guess when you're looking at the yards per carry, let me see here. So Mack was at 4.7 yards per attempt versus Hines, who is at uh, 3.7 yards per attempt. And they got Wilkins, who I guess is uh, showing 5.6 yards per attempt, but kind of like, um, um, kind of like, uh, what's his face? Lamar Miller, who we were just talking about. It's like they weren't impactful yards. They were like mm, right. not anything. Marlon Mack is a guy that can catch the ball on a screen pass out of the backfield. He can be an outlet, but he can also run the ball. And he's consistent. Like he can always get you that four yards of carry. And then, you know, suddenly, you know, you can't um, just drop a bunch of like guys into coverage. And Andrew Luck started get, catching fire. So, Brad, let me read you Andrew Luck's stats and you can give me a comment on him. So, mm-hmm. all 16 games, he was 10 and 6, but we know what happened the last half of the season. They were on mm-hmm. fire. 67% completion, 4,500 uh, passing yards, actually four, closer to 46, 39 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. What do you think about that guy? Uh, well, you know, I mean, <clears throat> the numbers are great, but I'd, I'd also be interested in what the numbers were the last 10 games as, as opposed to all 16, right? I'm sure they were hyperinflated in a positive direction. Yeah, um, I, I'll uh, I'll pop over his game by game, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, you don't have to, but we can all assume that they are. I bet they're far better, but um, I, I don't know. I think he's as good as it gets, man. It, it, you know, if, obviously, I'm a Packer fan. If if I didn't have Rodgers, I would I, I would either like him or Russell Wilson. I think those two guys are just super adult leaders and extremely effective. I will say, uh, Andrew Luck, I can't deal with the neck beard. I can't do. I can't do. He's a he's a goofy looking guy, and he's a he embraces the goofy. Now my wife thinks he's attractive, and I'm like, really? All right. Like, yeah. She married me, so I guess you know I can't. You know, like I I guess you can't really say she had good taste to begin with. So yeah, her judgment is skewed. But (laughs) I'm not. I'm not saying he's unattractive, but he does have a that the neck beard is weird. And he's got a. He's embracing his weird though, so uh, you know I, I can't right, I can't right. complain about that. I think he knows it's, I feel you it's on all that. messed up. I feel you on that. Good call. Yeah, as long as you own it. There you go. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, fourteen games, uh, kind of had a resurgence, but we expected that to happen with Luck back there. You know, it's it's a little Hilton, different. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he is he's t- he's tough to defend, man. What um, is it about him that's so likable? I don't know. Maybe he's not running his mouth and dyeing his mustache orange. Well, maybe that's it. And he just plays with a nice positive energy. And he's a playmaker. And I think he's a little bit underrated by way of, you know, popularity or media coverage, things of that nature. Maybe it's because he's out in Indy, you know, and they don't get much playtime. Yeah, it could be that. Then Ebron comes over from Detroit and completely screws my draft because I was uh, going heavy on – on Jack Doyle at tight end uh, for my fantasy all because I knew the tight end position, especially in this offense coming over um, um, Frank Reich's offense. I knew that the tight end was going to be an important position there. And, uh, and remember everybody out. So Frank Reich was the, the architect of the offense um, when Antonio Gates came to prominence. And then he was also the architect of the offense that really uh, pushed uh, Zach Ertz forward in Philadelphia. So, you know, tight ends were going to be important this offense. And, uh, and I was going hard on Jack Hoyle or Jack Doyle. And then he freaking hurts himself right before the season. Ebron comes in there and just starts catching touchdowns and he never got his job back Doyle. Uh, But uh, Ebron had a great year, 13 touchdowns Doyle when he played and let me look at this six games but he was injured for you know parts of all of them um he only got in the end zone twice but he did get a pretty good amount of yards when he was there so they have two dynamic tight ends 
They have T.Y. Hilton on offense. They have other, you know, pretty decent wide receivers. I think they could use one more. They have a full stable of running backs. If Mack is healthy and you got Hines kind of out of the backfield, you got Wilkins who, you know, could get yards between the tackles if, you know, if you need him. You get Andrew Luck. That offense is set, man. And then we also we all know that they uh, drafted that guy, Quentin Nelson, out of Notre Dame, the guard last year. This is a team that's going to be te- difficult in 2019, man. And the defense is also pretty good, too. Yeah, the defense. I, I mean, what, what were they ranked last year? Were they above average? Uh you know, average to above average. It was, they were good. They were good size. Um, they were uh, no, they were a pretty good defense. Uh, they they drafted um, some talent. I think they had a bunch of young guys. Uh, but the defense that um, what's his face? Uh, the new defensive uh, Pagano, the old head coach there. The defense that they had there had some good pieces on it. Um, but I think it took a little bit of, of time just to kind of round the team in shape. But mm-hmm. I'll say this, like. Um, the, the Redskins uh, of old, like Joe Gibbs' first year with the Redskins, I think he started 3-8 and eight and then like finished um, like 5-0. and oh. And then the next mm. season they won the Super Bowl. And so I'm always kind of on the lookout for these teams with new head coaches that might start slow and then finish on a charge. Um, I, I don't think Indiana – I'm not calling them to win the Super Bowl. They're not going to be one of my, my early favorites. But I do think they'll win the, uh, the division uh, next year. And I think they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. And you got to yeah, like Kansas I'm, I'm City gonna, too. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Sean. I'd, I'd pick them to to win the uh, <clears throat> the South as well. Hey, everybody! If you like this show, you are going to love the official Lakers podcast on Podcast One Sportsnet. Join Emmy-winning sportscaster Susie Scherster along with producer Aaron Larsoul this week as the All Star team faces off against the L.A. Clippers, the Denver Nuggets, and the Boston Celtics. Download the official Lakers podcast every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, and let's move it over to Tennessee. Now, Tennessee, I picked uh, last year, Brad. I kind of picked Tennessee moving backwards. I think, you know, the betting universe, Bavada was a little bit down on them, um, you know, coming into the season, if memory serves. Uh, you know, to me, it's it, it, we said this before in, in our in our season preview, Marcus Mariota, you know, is he going to take a step forward? I said, well, they have, the, they have a new coordinator, um, new Green Bay head coach, uh, LaFleur, uh, hockey goalie Matt Lafleur uh, was uh, <laughs> was running, running <laughs> the French Canadian. I don't know. Um, he's running their offense. I thought, ah, you know, let's see what he does with uh, Marcus Mariota. So here's Mariota's stat line: thirteen starts, um, fourteen games total, thirteen starts, seven and six record. Eh, you got a sixty-eight point nine percent completion percentage. That's nice. Twenty-five hundred yards. Not so nice. Mm. Eleven touchdowns. Ugh. Eight interceptions, not good. Boy, I got to tell you, the things in this world I care more about than the Tennessee Titans are boundless. <laughs> <laughs> My God. All right, let's talk about Marcus Mariota. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, that's, that's all I <laughs> that's got. It? Oh, God. Wow, who cares? Yeah, man. What, they, they, over there? what is it about them that's so unappealing? Um, they're just boring. They're boring to watch because uh, what's his face? The, the previous head coach, not Vrabel last year, but the the previous guy is at, uh, gosh, who was it? Was it like Malarkey or something like that? So whoever was in charge, they installed that quote unquote the exotic Smash Mouth offense, which is basically we're just gonna try to run as much as we can, um, and we're happy getting three and a half yards per carry because we can get a first down and three downs to three and a half yards per carry. And they, you know, they just never developed Mariota. I think he, at this point, Mariota is a, is a career backup. I don't think you can look at him as a starter. Like, this to me was his prove-it year. 11 touchdowns and 13 starts is not going to get it done, man. It's terrible. And, you know, I think there has to there's something to do with the market. I mean, I know in today's day and age of 
internet and market doesn't really matter, but maybe in this case it does. I mean, Tennessee, I don't give a, you know what, and combine that they're in the AFC South. I also don't care about that division. So maybe it's just me, but I, I don't know. I just like, I never, I never see one of their games. I never even hear about their games. It's <laughs> except they'll like come out and they'll beat the Patriots like once a year. And then they'll, yeah, you know, they'll, yeah. they come painfully close to, to getting a playoff spot, which they did last year. Uh, but didn't uh, in 2018. Uh, so what were they? Nine and seven. So they were fighting right to the end there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, That's good my point. There's worse teams, but it's like uh, it's like you know you they, they'll have player? like the they'll have like the 15th ranked defense and like the the 16th ranked offense, and they'll be nine and seven. It's like yeah, you know, right. it's like one of those teams. It's tough, right. man. Right. Like I miss when they had because like they they had kind of a boring offense um, back in the Fisher years when they had uh, McNair and Eddie George like. And and Dyson, oh, yeah, all those yeah. were those were boring offenses, but they had interesting characters, mm-hmm, and so they were interesting mm-hmm. to watch. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean this team this team needs something. I think they need a, a, a jolt. They need a new uh, a new quarterback. Um, they need a new direction there, and uh, I don't think they're going to go. I think they're going to give Mariota another year um, mm-hmm. because I don't think they're going to have any option. To, I mean they're too good to be able to trade nine and seven. You're not going to be able to trade up for a quarterback in a draft. Yeah, right. And You're who's out there in free agency? Nobody. Mm. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be a tough one. They're another team that should go after Teddy Bridgewater. Although Bridgewater and Mariota are the same kind of mold of quarterback. Yeah, do you really pretty, want to do much. that? Nah, they're, they're kind of the same guy, right? Yeah, I think they're stuck, man. Like, I, I can't think of an alternative for them, but we'll uh, we'll track that as the season goes. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I think that uh, kind of wraps it up, buddy. You got anything else football-wise for us? Uh, well, I just saw over the wire that the Eagles traded for Deshaun Jackson. Now, that's a nice fit. Yeah. I mean, he was on that team for a while, wasn't he? Or am I getting confused? No, yeah, no, yeah. He was. He started his career there, um, was really good. I believe Andy Reid had him first, then it moved to Chip Kelly. But Chip Kelly, in his, uh, in his desire to, to only import players that played for the University of Oregon, got rid of him, uh, went to Washington, had some nice years there. I think he's going to be good for that offense. I love Deshaun Jackson, man. Yeah, I mean, he's Something still fast. He, he's yeah. so fast. He's like a rap song come to life. I've probably said that before, but just like, I don't he know, is, the man. way he scores, he's just got like such style and swag. He does have he swag. Does. He does have he's swag. He's got such swag. He's a little guy, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, not, he's not a big dude, right? No, not at all. And, um, you know, he runs fast. But, you know, he, the, the thing is, like, he's getting older, so does he still have the wheels? But I, was, I saw in Tampa, right. man, he was getting behind defenses, no problem. It's just that nobody could hit him, you know? Yeah. And so, tries, I, man. so you got Alshon on one side. You have Golden Tate, I think I believe, is still there, having been traded for. Aguilar, I think, is a little bit of a lost cause. He was weak last year. So basically, you have Alshon on one side. You have Jeffries, uh, or you have Deshaun Jackson on the other side. You have uh, Golden Tate. Um, in the running over the middle along with uh, Zach Ertz. Not a bad team, man. That's a, they're all right. Not a bad team at all. It's going to be dangerous. Oh, you know, the one quarterback that is out in the free agent market, Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jaguars. They have to. You know, Foles mm-hmm. is going to end up getting like a $30 million contract too because, mm-hmm. <laughs> because like what are the options? It's going to be like um, Tennessee is going to go after him. Jacksonville is going to go after him. It'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Yep. All right, man. Well, good. I'm glad. To, uh, thanks for uh, dropping down. What did they trade for him? Is that out there yet? Nah, it doesn't show me here. I'm betting it's probably um, like a fourth round or lower. I'd be mm-hmm. surprised mm-hmm. if it was any higher than that. Yeah, me as well. If I was, if I was, if I was Tampa, because they're not going to get him in the offense there anyway. Um, 
if I was Tampa, I would probably trade him for like a six round pick with a condition of it rising up to as high as like a fourth, maybe even mm-hmm. a third if they won the Super Bowl or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, if I'm the Eagles, I really wouldn't be paying a lot more than that anyway. But we'll see what happens, man. That's a, that's a good fit. I like him going back to Philadelphia. I think that's a good story. Yeah, me too. It's interesting. All right, boss. Good talking to you, bro. Okay, back at you. Have a good one. Yeah, same to you. All right, and as promised, we have Baseball Llama back, my co-author of the 2019 Fantasy Baseball Almanac and Draft Guide. I know we are through most of the uh, fantasy draft season, but we're going to continue on with the uh, division previews from a fantasy perspective. If you have not had your fantasy draft and you haven't prepared, I definitely recommend our book because uh, it's updated. Uh, we have updates as of the uh, the Harper signing, um, and we've been waiting on the AL East because we assumed that Harper was going to end up in Philadelphia, and lo and behold, it happened. So, um, but you know, I know I just teased Philadelphia. We'll get to it. Usually, we go alphabetical. So, uh, Eric, first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, actually, I come bearing uh, breaking news oh, yeah. in the world of baseball. This is uh, totally new information that um, you're going to hear here first. The Miami Marlins will not win the NL East. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. I think that's backed up possibly by uh, by Bavada as well. We'll get into those uh, rankings in just a bit. But um, so let's start with the Braves, uh, near and dear to your heart. Um, it's it's hard for you to disassociate yourself with uh, Atlanta fandom, though I will say, as long as I've known you, you've kind of always expect them to be good, and you know, but never expect them to really win the World Series. And I got to say, that's that's really been kind of their book for the last uh, you know two decades, it seems like. But what do you think about them this year, man? They they I think they exceeded expectations last year. What do you expect this year? Um, I, I do expect them to take a big step forward um, and and really I'm still holding on to them winning the uh, the division. And that's that's not me being a homer. That's just me, you know, believing in, in what they're doing. Um, a lot of young talent that's just going to get better. Ozzy Albee should take off um, and, and kind of get some of those struggles he had from the left side under control. Um, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. is just going to continue to get better. Um, I don't see a whole lot of struggles in his future. And, you know, they added Josh Donaldson. So, you know, you got those three guys with Donaldson, Freeman and, and Acuna at the top of that lineup is is a scary prospect for anybody going through a first inning. Um, so I like what they've done. I think there there's a lot to like there. There are some questions, but there's questions surrounding every team in baseball, especially in the East. Um, but I do think they you know, they've got a good team. Yes, they could have done more in the off season. Um, but that's a whole nother tangent that I want to get off on. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I like what they've done. There's, there's a lot to work with on this team for, uh, for fantasy perspective and just in, in general. Yeah. And you know, as we've been going through these, as I remind uh, our listeners, so you have a stacked team in a keeper league. I took over a team this year. I have a bad team. So I am going youth. Unfortunately, uh, for me, um, you already had Acuna, so that wasn't you know on your keepers, so that wasn't an option for me. But there is a lot to like uh, about this lineup. I was gonna go after Albies, but I just you know just the draft didn't work out uh, my way for that. Um, I got Bryant early uh, as a keeper, and that's who I went with. Um, and I don't think he got back around to me on the swing. But um, you know, Freeman is obviously very good. He was a kept, um, but he, you know he's excellent. What do you think's going on at catcher there? Um, because our guide uh, has McCann slash Flowers. Um, do you think they're just going to platoon the position? Um, yeah, for the most part, they'll kind of do a soft platoon. I think they'll end up running with the hot hand. Um, I think they'd love to see McCann come out there and take, you know, 60, you know, to 70 percent of the starts, which would mean he's healthy and he's productive. 
Um, but from a fantasy perspective, they're going to split enough where I don't think it's going to be truly um, worth your time to draft either one of those. Um, right now, though, the Braves are just kind of biding time. Um, they've got two young two young prospects that they're really high on coming that hopefully should be ready, if not next year, then, you know, mid or to start next year, then midway through next year with Alex Jackson and William Contreras, uh, most notably. So they've got those two guys coming. So right now it's, you know, McCann's here, probably his last year. Flowers might be kept as a backup um, next year as well. And they're just kind of biding their time there. Yeah, and then uh, moving it over to the rotation uh, again, a lot to like. Whether you're, you know, just building, um, you know, from uh, rebuilding, I should say, in a keeper league with a bad team, or if you're uh, you're just a team that's looking to compete. So you got Fulte, you got Newcomb, you got Soroka, um, uh, just a lot here. But what do you think? Um, you know, these guys. I'm looking at their stat line from 2018. Not super impressive, but I know the team's very good. And when I draft, I like to draft pitchers from just good teams because you know you have a lineup behind you to support. But who do you think is probably going to be the top like two pitchers on this team uh this year from a fantasy perspective and do you see anybody kind of taking a leap like you know maybe a sleeper uh leap this year uh well you know Fulty is going to be your number one guy though he is going to get a late start to the season um I have a feeling we'll see him probably in the first or second week of April um due to some some uh, lingering discomfort he's been dealing with I believe it was his shoulder um I think Newcomb has the chance to kind of to take that big step forward um kind of like Fulty did last year um, so he's, he's the guy to definitely keep an eye on. Um, but the, the thing about this rotation is there are so many young guys that are going to be coming that while you have guys like Kyle Wright and Tuki Toussaint and Bryce Hart, uh, Bryce Wilson and, you know, uh, Max Fried and several others, they, all of them, if they were getting guaranteed starts would probably be worth a draft pick. Um, but they're going to alternate them. They're going to bring them up. They're going to bring them down. They're going to you know, move them in and out of the rotation to kind of keep those um, keep the arms fresh and to keep the innings down. So I might take a look at if I see Toussaint and Wright in the rotation to start the year, I would definitely take a look at picking them up or adding them to your rotation because those guys are going to be really good. Um, but do it with a grain of salt as well, because they may miss some starts here, be pulled down to the minors to kind of stretch out to kind of back them off a little bit throughout the year. So it's going to be an interesting prospect what they do. It's kind of why they kept Julio Tehran around, other than the fact that I'm not sure they could find anyone to take that contract for the next year. All right, let's move it over to Miami now. Um, gosh, is there anything you want on this team? Um, if you're extremely desperate, maybe take a shot on Alfaro at catcher, but I, I don't see that the, that position as... as uh, Weak as it is in general, I still don't see it going that week. Um, Brian Anderson would be a worthwhile addition. He's he's a good young yeah. Um, yeah. third baseman, outfielder. Had a decent, had a pretty good year last year. I should say not decent, um, and could definitely can continue to improve from there. Beyond that, at least as far as a draft perspective, no, there's nothing. Um, now you could you could say I hold a grudge against Jose Urania, which will date back to last year and. We can touch more on that if we get into a discussion <laughs> on the unwritten rules of baseball later this year. Um, but he's—I don't have a lot of faith that he's going to put it together for a full season either. Anyway, and he doesn't so have a lot of support behind him either. He doesn't, um, and you know, even though wins are a useless stat in, you know, judging a player as far as performance on a major league field, in fantasy it is a valuable stat that that actually helps quite a bit. Um, so that can hinder him as well. Yeah, I mean, not a lot there. I mean, they, I know they signed a closer um, you know, kind of late into the offseason, but again, if you're not 
getting a lot of saves because your team's behind a lot. There's not a lot to like there. So let's just move it on to the Mets now. Uh, you know, they're they're an interesting team. They're kind of, to me, they're like an aging team. Um, probably for me and my focus on trying to get players, you know, 27 years old and younger, there's not a ton here I'm looking at. But they do have some talent on the team, man. What do you like about them? Um, I love Conforto as a, as a guy to really, um, I know he kind of broke out last year, but I, to really take that next step, he's a guy I really like. Um, Nimmo, if he can get the strikeouts under control, I think is going to be a really good young player. Um, you know, other than that, without getting into the rotation just yet, you know, Ramos solid, um, option at backstop considering how much, how little there is out there. Um, the guy I'm I'm keeping an eye on is Peter Alonso. If he gets that, if he does make the line, you know, um, the team out of spring training, or even whenever he gets that call, he's someone I'm definitely going to look to grab. He has got huge power. He's a really good hitter, and he probably should have been up in September to get a taste. But you know the Mets. Mm-hmm. So, um, aside from that, the other guy I'm kind of keeping an eye on is Jeff McNeil. If he gets an everyday playing, you know, some, some everyday playing time one way or the other, because he'll be all over the diamond, he's definitely a breakout candidate, um, just continues to hit. So I, I like what I saw to him as well. All right. And then uh, you mentioned that rotation. Now, this there is a lot to like in the rotation. Uh, you have DeGrom, you have um, uh, Syndergaard, you have Wheeler, uh, Wheeler, who I briefly had on my team before trading him away for uh, for somebody else. What do you think about this uh, this rotation? I mean, the, the top guys, I think, are good. But why don't you talk about um, Wheeler specifically and what you expect this coming season and then maybe further down the rotation? Because the top two guys, I mean, I, th- I think are pretty well um, understood by the baseball community. Wheeler, yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, Wheeler took a huge step forward in the second half last year and was one of the pitch- best pitchers in the game down the stretch. Um, he he looks very capable of continuing that. So he's definitely someone that is is worth a, um, you know, a, a nice mid-round, possibly a little sooner, depending on how things are going in the pitching uh, department on your draft um, pick there. So I, I like him a lot. Um, I did. I had him. I spun him to you and you spun him to someone else. Um, and the only reason I didn't keep him was just because of the, you know, the other keepers I already had as far as, as pitching that, you know, he wasn't going to, you know, unseat Kershaw or uh, Verlander or Sale. <clears throat> so but no, I like a lot of what he's got. He's He's got a big arm um, and he's I think he's starting to really, really come into his own and figure it out. So. It's a it's a good uh, good draft option there for a lot of people that they can get and possibly get a steal on. I'm not so sure, but yep, sure. And then you got uh, Edwin Diaz, um, you know, one of the best closers in the game. He actually went very. I think he might have gone in second overall in our you know in our post keeper draft. He went yeah, very he was, early. Yeah, we started in the eighth round. He was the second pick off a little sooner than I expected. Yeah, me too. Um, and but you know. You're trying to build a team how you see fit, so I could understand kind of why he went the way he did with that pick. Um, I like Diaz a lot. Can he replicate last season? That's going to be tough only because of how ridiculous it was. Um, you also have to figure he's on the Mets in a tougher division overall, so he's going to probably see a few less chances, and you know, just by default, he's he's at a risk of injury being on that team from from their history. It seems. Because everyone gets hurt in the Mets, <laughs> sure, it, it never seems to end. I've got a you know a good buddy of mine who who's a huge Mets fan, and he just <laughs> he yeah he's yeah. gone down the rabbit hole far too many times. <laughs> All right, let's move it on. Uh, Philadelphia, a uh, lot to like here. So they uh, they added the catcher uh, from Miami. 
Um, they've been adding pieces, and then, of course, they added Harper. Um, you know, the, the team was surprisingly feisty last year, uh, let's say. Um, what do you think? Let's talk about, obviously, the offense first. What do you think about this offense, man? Who, who are you targeting, um, uh, you know, first and foremost? And I think um, the, the catcher was our, our top our top overrated, or I shouldn't say overrated, our top overall rated catcher. Yes, uh, yeah, Romuto, um, you know, one of the best uh, catchers in the game, if not the best at this point. And you're putting him in a, a very hitter-friendly ballpark out there in Philadelphia. So he, he's definitely someone that is a high draft pick and high, very worthy of it. And probably the only catcher I would say is worthy of a first or second round pick. Um, you know, obviously Harper, Hoskins are, um, you know, easy first round options as well. Our top, you know, top couple round options. Those guys are going to put up some big offensive numbers. And that's the thing with Philly is last year they they overshot, they overreached. Um you know, early in the season, and it, the numbers didn't add up to them being where they were in, in the division rankings and the wins. Um, their offense kind of struggled and it caught up to them in the second half and they just completely, you know, fell apart down the stretch. They've added with McCutcheon. They've added with Segura. Um, obviously, they added with Harper. Hoskins should be better just because he's not focused on a position he, he doesn't know very well. He's now first baseman um, solidly. And then Ramuta. So they're going to score a lot of runs. Um they really are. They're going to they're going to be a dangerous offense. Um, there are still a couple of questions, um, namely Michael Franco at third and Odubel Herrera in center. Um, and their defense is still a question as far as the you know the standings go. Um, but they, they definitely will put up some runs and it's going to be an interesting, interesting race all year in the East. Yeah. And what do you think about the rotation? Can they back it up? Um, you know, I think they started out, like you said, they started out a little bit, uh, over their skis. Uh, I know Arietta was really, you know, started out, I think hot last year, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, uh, didn't end so hot though. I'm looking at his final stat line. Um, but you know, they have, uh, what Nola at the top, they have Pavetta. What do you think about this rotation? Who would you target? Uh, well, obviously, Nola would be the first one that that anyone should grab. He's 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 an ace. He's a top of the rotation guy, and he's definitely someone you want to try to grab for your team. Beyond that, um, I personally wouldn't touch Arietta. Um, I think he's a bit. I think he's on the decline, and he's still in and putting a guy like him who he, he's going to give up some homers in that in that ballpark. Um, just not someone I would I would target at this point. I think he's he's on the way down at this point. Pavetta has a lot of potential. Um, he was kind of up and down last year. Um, so he could definitely worth a flyer to see if he takes off. Um, but I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into him yet just because I haven't seen him consistently do it just yet. And that kind of goes the same for Eflin behind him, who wasn't really much of a prospect. You know, was up and down a bit last year. He overshot pretty much every metric they had on him. Um, at this, you know, really in, in what they expected from him. Uh, I think he'll be kind of what he was last year which really all they need him to do is be a solid number four so i think he can kind of make that but from fantasy perspective short of picking him up if you're desperate um you know for a fill-in starter one night i wouldn't really go there and then when you get to the fifth starter it gets really it gets a little dicey um i am not a big fan of vincent velasquez i think he seems to always come out and and really have a good first starter two to the year and then just everyone realizes, oh, yeah, we can hit this guy, and he falls <laughs> off a cliff. Um, you know, Eikhoff, another one kind of in the vein of Pavetta and Eflin, could kind of go either way. So my biggest question with with Philadelphia, and the reason I don't think that they're going to win the division, is that rotation and, and obviously the defense. I don't think they have the depth to withstand a full season just yet. 
Um, now they could easily turn around and go and sign, you know, Dallas Kuchel, um, and, you know, really, and change things up a little bit, which, you know, as a, uh, you know, thinking from a baseball perspective, it would be really smart from that, from their end. Um, I don't think it would be too good of a place for him to pitch with that defense behind him, but, you know, they could do that and that could change things a little bit, but overall, you know, is the only rotation option I'd be looking at. Uh, and then, yeah, what's going on with their bullpen? They, you know, they've got a couple of guys who could be decent closers or solid closers with David Robertson and Sir Anthony Dominguez. Um, I, I'm hesitant to draft anybody in the bullpen um, from the Phillies or really anybody other than Nola Hoskins and Harper just because or in real Muto, excuse me, um, because of the way that, um, you know, their manager uses that Kapler uses that team, the way he changes things up and pulls people early and sits them and, you know, go is so matchup driven that you could have a whole lot of guys getting chances in that ninth inning, not just Robertson, which is going to cost you, you know, those points. All right. And let's move it over to Washington. So uh, for me, actually, they, I had a lot of targets on this list. So I had, um, I already had Turner and then I made a trade for Soto um, on my roster as keepers and I was looking at um, Rendon at third base, <laughs> and uh, and I was thinking about it. I was like, man, I, I, there's too many nationals. So I, I laid off. But there is a lot to like, whether um, you know, you're know you rebuilding or, or just trying to prime for a, for a one-year run. But what do you think about this lineup overall? Um, overall, I, I, you know, I keep hearing on paper they're the best team in the division, and I look at it, and I'm not so sure. Um, yeah, I love what Rendon does. Um one of the best third basemen in the game, in my opinion, and definitely an, an early round draft pick option. Trey Turner, another one, really good young player. I think he's still only going to get better. Um, you know, you nailed it. Grabbing Soto was a, was a huge move for you, and um, and would be for anybody. You know, just going to continue to get better. He showed out as a 19 year old, and he's just going to continue that. Um, from there, there's just question marks all over. Um, Brian Dozier has been on a decline for you know has been on a slow decline. And then last year he fell off a cliff. He offers big power, but that batting average just conti- continues to plummet. Um, so for me, he's, he's definitely not someone I was looking at. Um, you don't know what you're going to get out of Victor Robles. He could come out and, and, you know, tear it up and, and be what they expected when he was a top prospect there. But again, you really just don't know at this point what he's going to come out and whether he's going to be Juan Soto or, you know, kind of Michael Taylor is just okay. Um, and Adam Eden is a injury risk at best. Um, you know, he's productive enough when he's, if, as long as he's there, but he's had trouble staying on the field the last couple of years. So again, he's someone I'd look at more as an injury fill-in or if you're in one of those deeper, um, ESPN leagues where you have five outfielders on your roster for some bizarre reason, um, he might be an option to fill in towards the very end. And then, you know, you look at the catcher situation, it's okay. They got Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki. Neither one of them will light the world on fire uh, offensively, and they're going to split time, but they'll probably form a solid platoon. And Ryan Zimmerman has just continued to decline day by day. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of questions on that team, more than most maybe, but I just I don't see them as this complete team that everyone else does. Sure. And then moving it on to the rotation, like everybody knows uh, what Max Scherzer is at this point. So I think we can just well say, hey, look, he's one of the best starters in the game uh, and move it on. But I noticed, I think in our draft, um, thanks to ESPN and all their infinite wisdom, uh, because we had an odd number of keepers, they decided uh, to give you the champion of our league, the first overall pick. Um, And I believe you used that on Corbin, if I'm not mistaken. Was that the one that you picked first overall? 
I did and actually kind of looked into, you know, I was watching the way people were drafting and I think he probably would have fallen to me either way. I don't think that first round really would have He was actually much. high on my list. I will say that. He was very high on my list, but I but, uh you know I was kind of sitting dead red with uh, Brian given my strategy. Right. Yep. Um yeah, he he was definitely my pick. It was uh, if it wasn't him, I probably would have grabbed Grinky. Um, but yeah, I like Corbin a lot and you know, he's not going to change really the park factor shouldn't affect him coming from Arizona over here. I don't think there's much difference. Um, and he's just, he, you know, he'll continue. I don't see a whole lot of difference in, in him as far as the wins he could accumulate here as compared to what he did last year in Arizona. So, but yeah, good young pitcher, um, just a filthy slider that is a great pitch for, you know, for him mm-hmm. and will continue. So, uh, Steven Strasburg, eh, you know, he just, he never really met the hype, um, that he came out with. Uh, he really wasn't high on my list. Uh, you know, I think probably for the rest of the starters, for me, there's not a lot to get excited about. Um, what do you think about Sean Doolittle though, as a reliever? You know, I was kind of, I just didn't know what to do with it. I, I kind of stayed away from him, but he was there kind of in my queue to draft. I just never pulled that trigger. Doolittle is a, uh, he, you know, he's what, as long as he's been healthy, he has been really, really good. Um, and he's actually kind of a, an interesting follow on social media, but we won't get into all that. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a, a, a really good option. If you're looking for a closer, he should get the everyday role without a problem. Um, you know, barring them jumping in on Kimball for some weird reason. Um, but I, yeah, I, I like him a lot. He's, he's been consistent and he, he doesn't really, he doesn't change up much of that. So no, I, I like him a lot as an option. It would have been a good, uh, a good ad across the board. I actually, I was looking at him as well, but I kind of, I lost him early on or well, when I was ready to get to him anyway. Yeah. All right. So um, we got through the division and just quickly, let's go through the gambling stuff um, because you're always very good at predicting the uh, division winners. So I'm looking at the, uh, the Bavada um, rankings. Well, I shouldn't say rankings, but the odds. So the, um, the Braves are actually not the, uh, the favorite to win a division. The favorite at this point is Philadelphia right now at plus 175, then followed by Atlanta at plus 240, then Washington at plus 290, then the Mets at plus 325, and then Miami at plus, I'm, I'm not making this up, at plus 20,000. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like you said, uh, the breaking news um, earlier, I don't think Miami's going to win this division, but uh, I would say that if you're a betting man, you would place your money on Atlanta, as you said earlier, at that plus 240. And I found it interesting that Washington was plus 290. I feel like uh, the Harper hype might have been pushing Philadelphia up, but what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think as soon as uh, Philly, you know, grabbed Harper, it, everyone kind of freaked out and said, "Oh, they're gonna, you know, they're they're it. They're the winners. They're gonna take the division." Um, and I'm actually a little surprised to see Washington down so low on that compared to some other things that I've, you know, just seen as far as sports writers and whatnot. Um, trying to crown them on paper as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, this division could go either way. It's tough. There's you know three to four teams depending on how you view the Mets that could easily win the division or make the playoffs. You know across the board. I I like what Atlanta does has done. I think yes, there's still more to do, and they keep. What what what's interesting about Atlanta is we keep hearing this term come from their general manager and their ownership, which you know Liberty Media let's let's call them ownership with quotes. Um, is financial flexibility. They keep saying they have money to make moves and they're constantly looking and nothing's happened. So either they're continuing to work their phones or they're waiting for Kimbrell to come down to their price range or something along. Something's going to happen at some point this year. It just has to, or I think Atlanta fans are going to revolt. Um, 
just because of some of the promises made by the you know by by the team and by ownership over the last year or so. Um, so I think they have the resources to make things happen midseason if they need to, or even now, um, you know, before the season kicks off. I like what they have. They have such a, a strong base that re, that bullpen, which was the biggest issue last year. Um, you know, they already won 90 games last year. I think they would have won closer to 100 if their bullpen wasn't having so many issues with walks and, and blowing a few games. Um, so they're, they're a solid bullpen because they're going to be able to use some of those young starters like Max Freed or even Tuki Toussaint or Bryce uh, Wilson that don't make the rotation. They may want to keep them in that bullpen and, and use them there and get them accustomed to the majors a little more. So it, it's a dangerous team. Um, and Philly, just the depth worries me over there more than anything and the defense and we'll add in the Gabe Kapler factor because I just don't trust him to make the right moves <laughs> very good well hey that's a good uh, representation of the NL East uh, I think we'll be doing this again next week gosh I can't even remember because we had to jump around so much I guess we'd be on to the did we talk about the NL Central I think we actually did early on and we talked about we did not talk about the AL Central I don't think I don't know. Whatever, whatever division it is, it'll be in the show notes next week. So we'll talk about that, whatever it is, and uh, and keep moving it forward. So, hey, man, uh, I appreciate it um, uh, as always, and uh, you know, have a good week, buddy. And for all our listeners out there, go occupy.